Good morning. Glad you're here. Glad you've joined us at the Church of the Valley Diamond Bar campus. I'm over at the Alhambra campus speaking live for the very first preview service. And I'm going to launch a message series, a new series that we're calling The Gravity Effect. And in this series, we're going to be looking at how to deal with the downward spiral of thoughts and emotions that tend to pull us down as we deal with negative circumstances that we really don't want. So we're going to dig into that in a moment, but before I dive into the, the introduction to the series, I just want to say thanks to everyone who's pitching in to make the expansion possible. It's been fantastic. I commend your flexibility and your patience, and I'm very grateful to God for the group that he allows me to lead. I'm going to, as I said, introduce the message series today. And Alex is, then is going to walk us through uh, some very helpful perspective that God's given us in the Bible, some very practical ways to live out the main truths of the series and the theme of the series that we're going to be covering. Now, I, as an artist, I am a connect-the-dots kind of artist at best. I, I need the dots and the numbers. If I'm going to draw a picture that accurately displays the object that I'm trying to portray, I need the dots and numbers. If I'm freestyling, you're not going to recognize it, more than likely. God, in his kindness, what he's done in the scripture is he helps us to connect the dots between our experience in life and the root source of our experience, the root cause of negative experiences and the root source of the really positive experiences. And so I, I personally am very grateful for this. When I get into scripture, it comes alive. And what we learn in the scripture and how to connect the dots is this. There is a direct link to our happiness quotient in life. That direct link is our thought patterns. We tend to gauge our happiness by our circumstances. So if we want to be happy, we, we work hard to change our circumstances. There are times in life where our circumstances are way, they feel way beyond our control, and it seems like we're never going to be able to enjoy life again. This is just the way it is. Maybe, maybe we make a mathematical mistake with our checking account, and we bounce a check, or we come up short on bills. We start beating ourselves up over it, and this kind of thing can be a three, four, maybe seven-day downer. Just, we've made a mistake, it's, it's weighing on us, and it's pulling us down. Or we go to a family gathering, we have the same irritations, same people show up because they're the family, same irritations that blow into a conflict that we always keep having, keep seem, seemingly recycling the same conflict, the same struggles, the same irritations feels like a lifelong sentence because we're, we're attached. We're a part of this family. The boss, he gets insensitive and, and unfair, and that seems to be his pattern. He isn't that concerned about changing. It's a daily grind. Just going to work can grind us and wear us down. Maybe the professor or our boss that I was just talking about adds an assignment at the last minute Friday afternoon that means no break for me. It just buries me for the weekend. How, how am I going to respond to that? What am I going to do about that? Maybe the marriage. Maybe our marriage is in a crazy cycle of conflict. You, you fill in your own scenario. The kids may keep saying and doing disrespectful things and you're just, and it's dragging you down. 
Fill in your own scenario of an unwanted circumstance, and we're going to look at what Scripture says about dealing with that, the thoughts and the emotions that flow out of that. It feels like our joy factor in life is predetermined by these kinds of circumstances that are beyond our control. The good news is, in this series, we're going to discover that we don't have to be a victim to our circumstances. They, they don't own us. It's really our mental and emotional response to our circumstances that determines how much we enjoy our lives. That's the crucial thing. Our mental response is within our control. We, we choose what we think about. We choose how we respond. We can control our thoughts and direct them in a way that our emotions follow and we bear the fruit, therefore, of a joy-filled life. Now, with God's help, we can do this. That's the only way, and we desperately need His help. If we aren't careful, our negative thoughts and emotions will pull us like gravity in a downward spiral, and life is miserable as we're dragging along. The key to overcoming this gravity effect in life is to learn to deal with those negative thoughts and emotions that unwanted circumstances bring in a productive way. Where you choose to center your thoughts is the determining factor in your level of joy. This is what you find in scripture. Now my, my high school science teacher would probably be shocked that I'm quoting this, this definition of uh, center of gravity in, in physics, but in physics, the center of gravity is the point in a body of matter where the total weight of the body is concentrated. It's where it's thought to be. You can't really figure that out. Sort of an imaginary point, but it's, it's the center of gravity where the total weight is concentrated. The focus of your thoughts, what you're thinking about, what you're letting uh, roll over in your mind over and over and over again, the focus of your thoughts is your mental center of gravity, and it's crucial to choose the right center of gravity in your mind if you're going to experience the joy that God really wants you to experience. The U.S. Army defines the center of gravity as this, the source of power that provides moral or physical strength, freedom of action, or will to act. So in a, in a battle, our army, what they do is, the army maneuvers and works hard to reinforce its own center of gravity and at the same time, while they're trying to reinforce and maneuver to strengthen it, they're trying to figure out, or they, maybe they figured out, what the enemy's center of gravity is, and they're trying to destroy the enemy's center of gravity. This is how it works, because that's the leverage point at which you can gain victory. Thankfully, God has shown us the right focus for our mental center of gravity. He, he wants to help us reinforce our thinking in the right way so that we can gain victory over the gravity effect of thoughts that flow out of unwanted circumstances. Look at Philippians 4.8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Think in this passage, in the Greek that it was originally written in, here are several definitions from different Greek dictionaries. To take an inventory, that's what Strong says. You just, when, when you're in the crunch, when you're starting to deal with the weight of wrong thoughts and emotions, take an inventory. 
keep a mental record of events for the sake of some future action to bear in mind. Keep something in mind. Keep these things in mind. To reckon, count, compute, calculate, count over. Hence, to take into account, to make account of. Another common translation for this word, think, is dwell. So what Paul is saying here is that we need to be intentional with our mental response to life's ups and downs. Circumstances trigger thoughts and emotions. We, we can't completely control our thoughts or our emotions that are triggered by circumstances, but we can control what we dwell on, where the center of gravity is going to be in our mind, what we're going to think about and focus on. We tend to focus out there. We tend to focus on changing our circumstances. We struggle to change our circumstances. When we realize, oh, they're beyond my control, we feel doomed to a life of misery. It's a real struggle. Paul's reminding us that we have a choice. We can choose. With God's help, we can control our thoughts. There's a really helpful booklet called Changing Your Thought Patterns by George Sanchez. And he says what we need to do when our thoughts are flowing in a negative, wrong way, pulling us downward, what we need to do is build a dam to stop the wrong thoughts and direct the flow of our thoughts in the right direction. In Philippian, Philippians 4.8, God shows us where to direct our thoughts when we feel that gravity effect. Let's look back at that. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, knowing God's truth in the Bible... Is, is, is helpful for dealing with the, the pull of the downward spiral. Focusing on it, knowing it, soaking it in, bringing the word, bringing the scripture to mind when you're dealing with this struggle. Very, very helpful. We need to focus on what's true. Everything in scripture is true, and it's something we can build our thoughts on. Whatever is noble, in other words, what is good, honest, we need to be careful to be accurate, not to be extreme, not to go to extreme, swing one way or the other, but to be honest and real about what we're dealing with. Whatever is right, this reflects fairness, justice, equity. This is the way we need to think. We don't want to think revenge. We don't want to think take them out. We want to think right. Whatever is pure. In other words, we need to think about what's clean, not what's filthy. Whatever is lovely or friendly, acceptable. That's the idea there. Whatever is admirable. What, what's a, what is admirable? In other words, when we're hit with these thoughts and emotions, we tend to say things that are going to make us feel better. But the, the focus of our thoughts and our words should be speaking well of others, not running them down, thinking the best instead of thinking the worst. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. When our thoughts start going the wrong direction, what Paul's telling us here is we can choose another playlist. We can click over. We don't have to keep going down that road. I used to say you, you, could, you need to eject the tape, but I'm trying to keep up with the times. Um, here's the deal. Thinking about the right things leads to doing the right things, which leads to feeling the right things. When you rely on God, you can experience joy in the midst of the worst circumstances. You, you, some of the roughest times in my life, I've experienced God's joy as I've relied on Him, and I know many of you have as well. This, this is the way it works. 
as we learn to rely on him and process our thoughts. So in this series, we're going to look at how to do this. We're going to look at key passages that are going to inform us and help us and, and that God wants to use to guide us toward overcoming the gravity effect. Specifically, we're going to look at, for the next week, uh, we're going to look at how to think about yourself in a way that helps you uh, overcome the gravity effect. Then we're going to look at how to think about your friends and family, what thoughts to choose, how to, how to process emotions there, your worries the next week. And then we're going to wrap it up by how do we think about our troubles in a constructive rather than a destructive way. God has shown us the way. He's shown us how to do this, and he'll help if we ask. So we're embarking on this series to really dig into these things and learn. Alex is going to take it from here, and he's going to walk us through some practical perspective and some steps to maintain the right center of gravity so that we can enjoy life the way that God really wants us to. So Alex, take it away. All right. People are thinking, well, I was just going to go up there and let's pray. And uh, we're done. No, just kidding. Appreciate Randy. Uh, he, he, this week, worked on basically two messages because um, he's speaking out in Alhambra and he wanted to uh, greet all of you and give you some perspective for this series. So I appreciate him doing that. Uh, what Randy is basically saying is that we don't have to be a victim of the, our circumstances. We don't have to be a victim of the initial thoughts that come into our head. And I don't know about you, but it's very easy to, as soon as I think something, think that that has to be true. I thought it. And sometimes there's reactions that I have that I realize as I take a step back and let the emotion settle or let the circumstance unfold a little bit, I realize that, okay, what I was thinking right there, that's actually not true. That doesn't line up with what's really going on. That doesn't really line up with who I am. That doesn't really line up with who they are. And there's many things that enter my own mind that I have to watch out for. And so we're going to dig into some practical steps of, of how do we actually do that. And we're going to kind of t uh, take another look at Philippians 4.8 as we dig into the message. So if you have an outline, I encourage you to, to follow along if you'd like. Uh, there's a pen in front of you like I mentioned earlier. First thing I want to talk through is the fact that, that changing your mind, changing my mind, changing our mind is the key to changing your life. Uh, if you change your mind, you can change uh, your life. And again, it goes back to what we let come in here greatly affects the way that we think about things, greatly affects what we do. Uh, in Romans 12, uh, this passage gives some just really good insight of what this looks like. And you'll see it there on the screen. Romans 12 too, it says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Uh, in this passage, that idea of uh, renewing, being transformed by the renewal of your mind, in the original language in the Greek that this was written in, renewal actually has a connotation of uh, to renovate your mind, to reorganize, to, to clean out. And if you're like me, if you've ever had a space at your house or at your work that you just kind of let get away from you, any messy people out there? Don't raise your hand, really. I'm just, just kidding. But I know for me, this past weekend, actually, on Thursday night, I decided I wanted to organize part of my garage. And if you've done this to your desk at work, you just look and you can't see your desk anymore. You think, you know, I think it's time. Or at your house, you just, you, 
okay, I don't know where anything is anymore. We have to, we have to reorganize this. Well, this past weekend, I decided I needed to reorganize parts of my garage. And so I go in there and as I'm cleaning out, if you haven't cleaned out something for a while, you know, dust is, is, is falling everywhere and you start finding stuff that you're like, that's where that is. Like the little kid free certificate for that meal that you wanted at Chili's, but you couldn't find it. That receipt for that item you wanted to take back, but you couldn't find your receipt because it was in your garage underneath the other stuff that you haven't moved for three years. Is that just me or you guys experienced that? It's like, you don't know whether it's, you're really excited because you find new stuff and you realize like, wait a second, I don't need that because it's been buried here. And then we, we have to declutter. We have to throw things away. We have to sweep away the dust. We have to organize the space. And just like any open space in my life, whether it's an open space on my desk, an open space at home, I, I will fill it. And the same is true with our minds. As our minds remi- remain open and we don't filter, our minds get full. And what tends to happen through the media, what tends to happen through our own emotions, as we experience different things, it gets full of things that, that aren't helpful to us. And our minds are cluttered. Our minds become dusty. And this passage is basically saying that we have to clean our minds out. We have to renovate. We have to take those stuff that's not true, that doesn't belong in there, that's old, that's cracked, that needs to be thrown out. And we, we need to discard that out of our mind. That, that's the picture. It's this idea of, of a transformation that takes place. And what Randy's talking about in that Philippians passage is as we think about those things, the true, the pure, the noble, the commendable, these are the things that actually transform us. Uh, in that passage, the idea of your, transform your mind, it's, it's a metamorphosis. That's, that's really what it means. It's, it is one thing and it needs to change to something else. That's the picture here. Our minds get full of things. The open space gets full and we, we need to change. We need to, we need to transform. And what the, the second part of that verse is saying is that if you do this, if you actually renew your mind and you renovate what gets in and you organize and filter and throw out the things that don't belong, that don't align with God, that you will actually be able to know the will of God, what he wants. I don't know about you, but many times I want to know what God wants in a situation. I, I'm often thinking, I wonder what God thinks. I wonder what I should do in this and what's God's will as I face this decision or as I'm in this relationship with somebody. What, how do I need to treat them? What do I need to do? And I'm always wondering about the will of God. And what we see here is we discover the will of God as we choose to think about the things that line up with who God is. As I was thinking about this idea, kind of a thought came to me that it should be really, well, yeah, of course, but you know, God, I always think, you know, God, he, he, he's there for me and he, he loves me. And I sometimes have vague ideas about who he is and who he's not. And as I get to know him better, some of those ideas I have to throw out as well. But one of the things I realized about God is he can never align himself with anything that's not true. And that, that just kind of hit me because I think of God, and I, yes, yes, God's true, but this idea of aligning myself with the will of God, the way I do that is, is if I'm believing things that aren't true, God has no part in that. That is not who he is. If I align myself with things that are not admirable, God is not there. He, he does not operate like that. 
If I line my things with things that are unjust, God is not there. Oftentimes I want to discover God's will, but I forget that the things that I'm thinking that go against the very character of God, I'm really in my mind creating little barriers where God, that's not how he works. That's not how he operates. So why that makes sense to me, and as my mind's filled with these things and these thoughts that may actually not be true, the deeper I go in and the more cluttered my mind becomes, the more obstacles there are between God's will working in my life. That's what this passage is saying. So God gives us help. He wants to come in and give us the power to change, to shift from the unadmirable to the admirable, from the, the things that are not pleasing to the commendable. All those things in Philippians 4, 8, the true, there's the opposite of that, the falsehood. God wants us to shift from these things to aligning ourselves with who he is, the very character of God himself. So as we get to know him, as you get to know who God is, that is how he wants you to think as well. And it's only by his help, like Randy mentioned, that we can do that. So how do we maintain a healthy center of gravity? How do we make sure that our minds... And the way that we see a circumstance actually aligns with who God is, with how he sees how things should operate. 1 Peter 1.13 gives us, again, some practical steps. So once we've decided that we need to organize, we need to declutter, we need to renovate, there's another step that we can take. 1 Peter 1.13 says, Therefore, prepare your minds for action, and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. This idea, therefore, prepare your minds for action. It's basically saying that be alert, be ready. Your mind needs to think clearly. Your mind needs to act. What this passage is saying is that we always have to be prepared to direct our thoughts in the right direction. We always have to be prepared to direct our thoughts in the right direction. In the original language, again, that this was written, this idea of prepare your minds for action in kind of the old translation, like the, the, the King James Version, they had this idea of gird your loins. Back in the day, the, the men would wear, in biblical times, you know, those long, I hate to use the word dresses, but those long things that kind of look like a dress. Um, <laughs> And these things weren't really designed for moving quickly. You know, they were loose clothing to keep uh, kind of the minimum amount of dirt and to keep men cool. The picture is when you want to prepare your mind for action and when you wanted to move with these dress things on, you had to pull this thing up so you could run or you could move quickly. And this idea of preparing your minds for action, it's like pull your pants up so you can move. In today's language, it's like you can't sag and move. Right? Saying you got to have your pants up so you can go where you're supposed to go. Well, oftentimes with our minds, we do not direct our thoughts to the right direction. We just kind of let it all hang and we just can't move where we're supposed to go. And we stumble and we fall. And why did, why did I think that? Always we have to be prepared when the thought comes in not beat ourselves up like, how could you think that? And then you, you spiral off even further. You are the worst person ever. That's how my voice sounds. It's kind of like a crazy person yelling at me. Yours may sound different. But it's this idea of 
things happen. And if we don't prepare our mind for action, it just starts to spiral and spiral and spiral. That is, get ready, roll your sleeves up, be prepared to move. This idea of of being sober-minded, the opposite of sober is drunk. Things that are not true, when we believe things that are not true, we're, we're like somebody who's drunk. We're just kind of staggering like, wow, that's the greatest thought I've ever had. Is it true? No. (laughs) You're drunk. You ever heard that at church say that? We're going to edit that off the CD, but but that's that's the picture. Being sober-minded is you're clear in your thinking. You're self-controlled. The opposite is is you're not clear. It's hazy. You're, You're stumbling around on these thoughts that are actually not true. So this first Peter is saying you have to set your thoughts in the right direction. Some things that I was just thinking, what are some thoughts that I, that I have that come to my mind? Things, you know, like, how could you, how could you do that again? You know, when you mess up or it's never going to be different or it's never going to change. I find myself saying about my, myself. I think that about other people, like they're never going to change. It's always going to be like that. Or this is the worst thing ever. You find yourself saying that? You may not say it out loud, but you know, you think it. Or this is terrible. This has happened for the millionth time. Have you ever counted to a million? That's a lot. But as we talk, we're really able just, this is what it is. This is how it is. This is how they are. And we believe this stuff. But it's about failures. Or or it could be the the opposite. We, We think we have it handled. Yeah, I... I'm, I don't have a problem there. I've got that covered. Was that actually true? Can you do it alone, whatever that you're facing? We have to align what we're believing in our mind to make sure that that is actually true. Does that line up with the Philippians 4.8? Things that are true, that are noble. Does it, does it line up? We have to take an inventory of our thoughts. I'm not loved. I have nothing to offer I know they think that about me. I deserve better. These are, these are all the things that can creep into the open space of our mind. You know, our minds are actually like sponges. They just get full and they get full and they get full. And eventually what gets in our mind, it comes out. You squeeze a little bit, it comes out. So we have to be careful. We can't just set our minds in neutral, just letting everything come in. We have to filter. Uh, there's a quote I wanted to share with you from a book called The 4-8 Principle. And he talks about this idea. The 4-8 is actually talking about Philippians 4-8. When I first heard this title, I was like, oh, the 4-8 Principle. It's like 40 minutes, 80 times a year. That's what I was thinking. And it's actually not. It's actually Philippians 4-8. Kind of blew me away. There you go. The secret's out. That's what it's referring to. And he writes a book based on if we're really to take our thoughts seriously and line it up with Philippians 4, 8, which Randy talked about, what does that look like? There's some helpful things in this book. There's some not so helpful things. But there is a quote here that I wanted to share with you. And he talks about this battle of the filter that you have to have in your mind and just not allowing it to be an open sponge that collects every idea. It says, most people never challenge their own thinking. Instead, they respond to negative thoughts as if they came from God, when in reality they might be erroneous. How do you say that word? Erroneous. Thank you. 
It's one of those things you're like, before you say it to a group of people, figure out how to say it. I never say that right. (laughs) Irrational or warped. Accepting these thoughts at face value leads to behavior that is rooted in error. I know I've done that. I have a thought and I think, well, that must be how God sees it. That must be how God sees me. And this is a picture of this is a battle. There's things that come into your head that you're actually going to have to ask again and again and again. Is that true? Some of the questions, is that true about me? Is that true about how God sees me? Is that true about this circumstance? Does that line up with the way God sees me? Does that line up with the way that God sees them? Does that line up with the way that God sees this trouble that I'm facing? And what you discover is to know what is true, you have to read what is true. You have to discover in the scriptures, in the Bible, and and find out what does God see about all these different things that we face that we believe the lies about sometimes. So when we talk about spending time with God and getting to know the Bible, this is one of the key reasons. We have to be able to filter what is not true with what is true found in the scriptures. So as we read the scriptures and we learn about how God sees us, we need to remember that as we're battling what we see about us or the things that we don't like, or the things that we just have the wrong estimate of ourselves. So the power goes, comes from God and God himself. And this is the picture of when you follow Christ, he comes to aid you in this battle against your own thoughts. And the help, the help comes, comes from him. And in 1 Peter it gives our focus. It sets your hope fully on the grace. That's where you focus. You set your hope fully on the grace. The fact that you can't will it yourselves, you don't have the strength enough to change your own thinking by yourself. It is by the grace of God that you have an alternative to your playbook that we play again and again and again. I want to give just a few other practical ideas that you can do to overcome the force of wrong thinking that we face. Okay, I'm just going to go through these briefly. Uh, the first is uh, stay real in the here and now with what you're facing. Stay real in the here and now. Ecclesiastes 7.10 says, don't long for the good old days. This is not wise. You know, when you're, when you're like young, you, you can't wait to be an adult, right? Where, you know, you can do whatever you want to do when you want to do it and you're independent And then when you're an adult, this crazy thing happens like, remember when we were in school and like had no bills and summer's off? But when you had no bills and you had summer's off, you didn't want that. And then when you do have it, you don't want it. And it's real easy to to think about the good old days or the days to come that you can't wait for them to come. But life doesn't work like that. You have to stay in the here and now. And the scriptures say it's, it's not wise to think about the good, old day, the good old days. When you were younger, or you, if you can't wait for when you're older, if you can't wait for this circumstance to be better, God meets us in the present. He never meets us in the past or the future. He meets us in the present. Two, screen out the lies. Psalm 51.6. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. So we have to screen out the lies. One of the practical ways that I have been trying to do this in my own life is to avoid extreme statements. 
Like words like never. Do we really know that? You're never going to know that. It's not true. We just, we just don't know. We, we have to be self-controlled in what we say. We don't know how everything's going to unfold. Extreme statements, they assume a lot. So we have, to, we have to line that up again. Ask, does it line up with God's view of it? Is it true? Third is, have realistic expectations. Ecclesiastes saying, says, enjoy prosperity while you can, but when hard times strike, realize that both come from God. Remember that nothing is certain in this life. That's kind of like one of those, you know, it can be really good, but it could be bad really soon. And it could be really bad, but it could be better really soon. And there's a part where it's in your, when you're in the moment, you just have to be careful of how you think things are going to go. We have all sorts of expectations. Today, you probably woke up, had a thinking, I'm going to go to church today. And then after church, this is what I'm going to do. And this is what I'm going to do. And this is what I'm going to do. And then what starts to happen when the people that you decided to do that with, it doesn't work anymore. Or you realize you didn't have the time that you thought you had. And we, we just tend to plan out things and we can get very frustrated when it doesn't go our own way. I know I can. But here's the idea. We can't have expectations for people and oftentimes how we think things are going to go. Our expectations get us into trouble. And these are the things that in our mind, we, this is where we get bothered. That's not what was supposed to happen. They weren't supposed to do that. And it's easy that that becomes the center of gravity. This is what pulls us now. So having realistic expectations. There's, there's two characters that, that I relate to in my life. One is Pollyanna or Eeyore. Okay? Pollyanna is, it, it's always, it's going to be good. No matter what happens, it's going to be good. And then Eeyore is, no matter what happens, it's going to be the worst situation ever. You're going to be walking, your tail's going to fall off. I was looking at a dis- description of Eeyore, and I actually got depressed. I, it was like Wikipedia, and I looked up Eeyore, and pessimist, gloomy, depressed, old gray donkey. Well, you'd think if you call the guy an old gray donkey, what are you going to think? So, but but I, you know, I, I tend to, in my mind, I'm extreme. I'm Pollyanna, like, it's going to be okay. Actually, it could be really bad. It really could. And in the moment, it's just going to be bad. God is still with us, but in the moment, it's, it's bad. And there will be hope, and it will change, but it could be bad. And the Eeyore in me is, it's always going to be like this. It's going to be this bad for the rest of my life. And I don't care what you say, because I'm an old gray donkey, and my tail is going to fall off. But I, I, a lot of times I'm extreme in my thinking. I either go the Pollyanna route or I go the Eeyore route. The idea here is, is neither one of those may be the truth. The truth is, is what does God see the situation that I'm facing with? He is the one that I can trust in. And if it's bad, he's there. And if it's good, he's there. And things will change. And the last is dwell on the positive and the productive. And that, that's the idea in Philippians 4.8 that you see on your outline and what Randy was talking about. Just wanted to give you a couple of ways that you can do this. 
to think about the positive and productive. Um, soak in the truth of the Bible. I already mentioned that. Get to know him through the scriptures, how he sees things. Uh, create a thank list. What are you thankful for in your life? Have you ever written it down? Seriously written it down. Just thought through the things that you have, the people that God's given you. And there's already, because I thought about this, the is like, I'm not going to have a list. There's no point writing it. Just try, sit down, ask God, God, what, what am I thankful for? Begin jotting that down. As you're faced with the tough situations and as when your mind becomes muddied with things that may not be true, you, you need to remember what you're thankful for. Uh, who, are, who are five people that love you? Who are five people that love you? Write that down. I know this sounds terrible, but in, in your face, like with I'm, I'm not good, no one likes me, you pull up the list and say, yeah, I've got five people that do. And in that moment, you'll be like, but do they still? I don't think they do. But you've got you to gotta go back. You've got to remember what God has done. And then what, what five things am I looking forward to in the next week, in the month? This idea of in the, the midst of things that just weigh on us and don't go as we planned, we tend to just throw it all out and just, God's not here. It's not going to work. But in the midst of it, we have to be self-controlled. We have to put the filters on. And just thinking ahead and jotting some thoughts down about what God's done in your life is a great way to battle that. So I encourage you, the next few weeks, we're going to dig into specific arenas of life, like Randy mentioned, related to work, related to trouble, related to relationships. And next week, we're going to talk about just ourselves. How do we continue to do this as we, we battle this ourselves, this idea of the gravity effect? Before I do that, I want to just walk through some next steps that you can take this morning. Uh, on your connection card, uh, if you want to take a next step, this is a great way to just take a practical step that can help you uh, in, in your walk with God. The first is to memorize Philippians 4.8. If you've never put that to memory, I encourage you to do that. Uh, the next is to create that thank list that I, that I just mentioned. Pick a time this week to do that. Uh, the third is uh, identify patterns of wrong thinking and choose to... Maybe you want to choose one of those, those things. Stay in the here and now. Think positive and productive. Uh, think one of those things that I just went over on that last section and write that in your connection card and on your outline. And then, like I mentioned, you could sign up for a life group or the Church in the Valley preview. Uh, so when I'm done praying, we're going to be receiving our offering. Why doesn't the band come up? And we're going to spend some more time in worship. I encourage you to drop that connection card in the offering as that comes by. Let's pray. God, ultimately, we, we have hope because of you and your power. And when we rely on ourselves, it really is so easy to spiral in the wrong direction. But God, it is you and your character and the way that you've designed the world to work that you actually align us with the best for our life. You, you know exactly what we need. And as we look to you, you offer help. And so, God, I, I pray for just every single person in here and the things that they're facing and the battles that are going on in their mind just related to uh, the things that they need to do, the people that they're relating to, uh, trouble, anything that's just a battle right now. I, I pray that you will provide hope this week, that you'll give them 
uh, really truth about how you work, how you see them. And God, we, we know that as we call to you and ask for help, you, you provide it. So we thank you for that in the name of Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.